and welcome to another episode of the Being a Fan of Disney podcast. I'm your host, Cody Hubbard. First, I want to recognize, because I think recognition of these things is important, that this is the 100th class or 100th episode of this podcast. And so I want to thank everyone who has agreed to be interviewed or have visits on any of these shows and take place or take part in any of our class discussions, any of the panel discussions. Um, It's been a whole lot of fun doing this and I look forward to more opportunity to be able to talk to people about Disney and about their Disney fandom. So this episode's guest is Dr. Daniel Wan, who is a professor of psychology at Murray State University. And Dr. Wan and I have worked together for over a decade now on many different projects. And one thing that we constantly talk about and bond over is our fandom of Disney. And so I invited Dr. Wan to talk to us about fandom and what fandom means. Dr. Wan is a world-renowned expert on fandom, and so we take what we know about fandom and what Dr. Wan knows about fandom, and we have a discussion about what that means for people who identify with the Disney parks or Disney brand or anything that deals with the company. So this was a very, very fun conversation. I had a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy it, and please come along with us on our adventure. All right, students and everybody watching or listening, uh, welcome back. This is another session and another Friends of the Class visit. Um, And this time we are joined by Dan Juan, um, Dr. Dan Juan, a professor of psychology at Murray State University. And Dan and I uh, go back about 10, 12 years now. Um, And uh, we've done a lot of work together um, in our research, which is typically in sport fandom. But um, outside of that, we also have um, bonded over our Disney fandom and um, talk about our tips when we go to the parks and, and the, the different things that we do on our trips and planning trips and everything. So it, it's been a really, really fun time um, knowing Dan and um, as I have said before, um, a lot of my career has come from um, help from from Dan and and Rick Grieve, and um, but then also uh, the three of us being able to talk about Disney has been uh, just added to that friendship. So that's enough from me. I want to welcome Dr. Juan to the show to the class, and um, why don't you start, Dan, by by giving us your introduction to Disney, and then bring us up to today about your fandom with Disney. Sure. So first time I went to Disney, I didn't want to go to Disney. Um, There was a sports side conference in the fall of 2001 that was in Orlando. And, you know, the kids were three and six at the time. And you know, if you're going to go to Orlando and, and you're going to take your family with you, you know, kids are three and six, 
I think, you know, there's a federal statute that says you've got to take him to Disney at some point. And so, you know, we're like, okay, we're going to do this. And I did not really care for, for amusement parks. I mean, I'd gone several times as a, you know, as a kid growing up in Kansas City to various amusement parks, but I didn't like standing in lines. And I mean, I liked thrill rides, but, you know, it wasn't so much my thing. I'd rather spend my money going to a sporting event or, you know, heading out to Colorado or something like that. But it just seemed like, okay, this is the thing to do. And uh, we were getting some like encouragement because my my brother and sister-in-law at the time were uh, Disney Vacation Club people and they had gone a lot and and like, you gotta go, you gotta take your kids. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I kind of backed into a corner. All of my excuses were used up. So now I guess I sort of got to. And they're like, well, you got to stay on park. And I'm like, why would you stay inside of a park? I didn't even know what that meant, you yeah. know? And, and I can remember just my, my knowledge of Disney was so bad. I literally thought that all of Epcot was inside the ball. Mm -hmm. I, I literally believed that Epcot was what was inside this big ball. And they're like, you know, you're, you're either stupid or you don't understand you know the concept of size and then i kind of thought about it like yeah that probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense you know but what how what do i know and so i remember at a, a night class and we were going to leave in in like mid-october and every week this night class met and the groups would do a like the, the students would be in groups for about an hour and I was just reading through this book, this, you know, so-and-so's guide to Disney, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I would just check mark things. And, oh, you know, that sounds like something that I don't think will be terrible. Oh yeah. sounds like something that won't be terrible. Well, you know, fireworks, like I like fireworks. You know, let's check mark and go, go do this. And then like, where do you want to stay? I'm like, well, I don't know. Where, where are my options? And someone said something about something called all-star sports. And I'm like, mm -hmm. check, please. Uh, if you can drag me there, that sounds like a pretty good place to drag me. And I really didn't, you know, care to go, but it was the thing to do. So we had it all set up and we're going to uh, go down there and we found super cheap airfare to fly us to not Orlando. It was might have been Tallahassee. It was a bit of a drive to get mm -hmm. there, but it was like 29 bucks to fly all of us and look how you pass that up. So we'd fly at night with, with the two boys and we didn't get to all-star sports until one o'clock in the morning. And we got there and I can remember all of the people, all of the Disney people that were there standing outside at one o'clock in the morning, welcoming us. Mm -hmm. Now that's, that's the weirdest thing. Like I, I love certain hotel chains and they've never stood outside and waited for me, even though I'm a diamond member. Right. I mean, they're, I'm like, well, this is, it was weird. I couldn't, cause I didn't know anything about the culture of Disney. And, and so we went in and I looked around all-star sports and all of these pictures of, you know, athletes. And then we walked in the, the room and the bed sheet was, was athletes, you know, and I thought, I think I've walked onto the mothership, you know, mm -hmm. this is like the, the coolest thing I've ever seen. And so our first day was, was Epcot the next day. And as I mentioned, it was 2001. Well, it was five weeks after 9-11. And mm -hmm. no one was traveling. I mean, I, I literally have a video of standing on a bench uh, at Epcot uh, outside the Morocco Pavilion at 1.30 in the afternoon. And I do a full uh, 360, you see three people. 
That was it the entire, I mean, there was literally no one there. So it was a great time to sort of go to Disney if you didn't like crowds because there was no crowds. But I just wanted to hate it so bad, Cody. I just, you know, I mean, I had this schema <laughs> built in of I'm gonna hate this stuff. And I can remember so many things. I Like the first thing we did was Ellen's Universe of Energy. And I just missed that ride so much. And I thought, well, this is really cool. I, I, I love building it. This is stupid. You know, I was trying yeah. to stop myself from liking it, you know? And, and, and then I'm like, well, now we're just sitting in this big giant room with these chairs. This is really boring. And all of a sudden the giant chair, the whole stadium started to move. I'm like, this is the coolest thing. I bet this is stupid. <laughs> totally fighting myself. And finally, by the time I saw uh, Illuminations, which is, uh, has always been my very favorite thing, Disney. I went home that night and thought this is the most magical place I've ever mm -hmm. been in my entire life and was completely hooked ever since. I mean, that was 2001 and I've been either on a Disney cruise or on park at Disney world, you know, something around 40 times since yeah. then. Um, now a lot of it would be, you know, I would have a conference down there for a day and I would just go over and hang out at, you know, Disney Springs always will be downtown Disney to me, um, or I would just go ride the monorail and, mm -hmm. you know, eat dinner at the Floridian or something like that. But um, it really became one of um, the true passions of my, of my life. And, yeah. and um, you know, when, when the kids were little, from the time that they were about three and six to about maybe, you know, nine and 12, 10 and 13, I just refer to those as the camping travel baseball Disney years, yeah. because that's, those were the face things we, we sort of did. And we do just kind of take turns going from one, one activity to the next and, you know, multiple trips every year to, to Disney. I used to set my speaking fee at a thousand dollars because if someone paid me a thousand dollars to speak, that was enough back then uh, to fly all four of us and stay at Disney and go yep. to the, to Disney world for four days. Um, and then uh, I found out about Disney Cruise about three years later, I think 04, maybe it was the first time I took a Disney Cruise. And boy, that's something that I can't get enough of. Um, I, I love Disney Cruise. Well, I can't wait to get on the new boat, The Wish, you yeah. know, in a couple of months. Um, I've run the Disney Marathon. Uh, Michelle and I, we did the the Disney 10K at uh, Marathon Weekend last January. So, you know, what's that? Eight months ago, we, we did the 10K. We went back to our hotel. We showered. We got in the car. We drove the port and hopped on a three-day cruise. So that's that's a pretty good time uh, yeah. in, in this person's book. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's really central to who I am, right? I mean, I have Disney memorabilia all over the house. I have posters up all over the house. I actually looked today and... Disney is second place of all of the shirts that I own. It's behind only Murray State. So I have yeah. more I have more Disney t-shirts and polos than I have Chiefs or Jayhawks or Royals or Cubs, my other you know beloved things that I, I kind of have a passion for. Only only Murray State is ahead of, of Disney and, and that's saying a lot. And and you know, my wife Michelle, she's She's like I am. I mean, she absolutely loves it. She, they, you know, her first husband, they, they took their kids to Disney and she fell in love with it. She didn't go back until, you know, we got together and now she's 
glad to be married to a I mean, I've been 40 times in 20 years. Let's be honest. I probably need a 12-step program of some time. Right? <laughs> There's probably a level of, you know, Rick Grieve, you know, he's a clinical yeah. psychologist. He might be able to help me out with this, with this stuff. Um, no, it's, it's a passion. It's, it's a love. And it's a love that, uh, you know, extends beyond the parks and, and, and beyond the cruise. I mean, it's when we would see that, you know, some some channel had we've made you know we're going to show you the the new what to do at, at uh, animal kingdom that they would put out for on some you know animal planet or something you know it, that was must see tv for yep. for us and watch watch youtube videos and and um sit down and read the the disney discussion boards and things like that it's i mean it's a passion yeah it's one of one of my three passions you know sports the rockies and disney yeah, thank you for that. And and what we are going to talk about today is why what fandom is because uh and and I'll try to I'll try to link it in the in the show notes. I'll try to find it and link it, but um so listeners and watchers know that uh Dr. Dan Juan is known as Dr. Fandom. Um he actually has been featured in uh, in ESPN short um, about what fandom, what sports fandom is and what it means to people. Well, there are a lot of um, similarities between being a fan of sport and being a fan of something else like Disney. Um, and one thing that, that Dan and I have talked about a lot is the, the purpose of this class is really to, to, at the end, the takeaway is if you are a fan of something, and it doesn't hurt someone else, then it's generally generally a good thing because it makes you a happier person. It makes you more um, successful, or you know, it it makes you a better member of society. That type of thing. And so, I want to start there. Is what is fandom, uh, and not just specific to sport or Disney or anything, but what is fandom? And what are the psychological underpinnings of fandom? So, so why do we choose something to identify with, consume, and, and make that a passion of our life? Yeah, I think that to answer the first question, what is fandom? Yeah, I think that having spent, you know, the better part of, you know, 35, 36 years in psychology, you find out what your discipline does well. You also find out, you know, what they sort of stink at. And I think that one of the complaints I've always had for psychology is we're really good at making pretty straightforward things super, super complex, right? So, you know, you look at people, they'll say, you know, describe fandom. And like an hour and a half later, you forgot yeah. what the question <laughs> even was. You've, we've known each other for, as you said, well over a decade now. And you know that I have to kind of cut through the psychobabble a little bit. To me, fandom is simply having an interest in something. Yeah. Right. A, a, a passing or greater interest in something. So for for Disney, it's any level of interest in any aspect of of that that brand, that product, that that pastime, that entity. And certainly there are people out there because Disney is such a, a large thing and encompasses so much. There are people out there that will say, yeah, I didn't even know that. Disney Cruise exists. I'm an, I'm an mm -hmm. annual pass holder at the, at the parks, you know, Disney Cruise. I wouldn't even know why you would do that. And there are people that 
you know, all they do all day long is, is watch, you know, Disney uh, full-length films. They have zero desire to go to Disney World. I mean, that was me. We'd watched all of the Disney movies mm -hmm. and kids, but go to the place now. Why would I do that? So there's so much there that, that encompasses Disney. It's, it's, there's more opportunities to be a fan of Disney than there is really an opportunity to be a fan of just about anything else. Now, yeah. I, I mean, I get it in, you know, if you're a Cubs fan, you can like the Cubs uh, history, you can like Wrigley Field, you can like the players, you know, you can like the mascot. Okay, there's other things. Disney just puts that on steroids, right? I mean, there's so much that you can, I mean, there are people that say the best thing in the world is, is you know, Disney Springs. I don't even bother to go to the parks anymore. And there are people that go to the parks that have never even heard of Disney Springs. And it's like, you know, a mile and a half away. So there's so much more to being a Disney fan because there's so much more to Disney, I believe, than mm -hmm. the, these other entities. Now, the why that someone is a fan and the why is their fandom are sort of different questions, right? So why is someone a fan? Well, it's because there's something that they find, you know, intrinsically or extrinsically uh, fulfilling about that, that activity, right? So, you know, why, why do I like Tower of Terror? My favorite ride is Tower of Terror um, because I enjoy physically the sensation of the drop rides. I, I like physically that's pleasing to me. Um, I love the old uh, TV show. Right. I, I think that was a classic TV show to me. I love mm -hmm. kind of the old black and white horror stuff. You know, um, I love the fact that for a very brief moment, when you're at the top, the doors open, you can see so much of Disney World. Yeah. Right. So why do I like that ride more than, you know, I'm not getting on Dumbo because spin around a circle. You know, that's not good for me. I'll start to, to you know, be a little bit green in the face. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, you know, why does someone is someone a fan of a certain thing? that thing is just pleasing to them in, yeah. in some way. I think a more interesting question, and, and you and I've talked about this on varying levels, Disney, sports, other entities. A more interesting question to me is, why is it that our species is a fan, period? Yeah. <laughs> Regardless of what it is they're picking, you know? Yeah, why does it even exist? Exactly. And, and I think that a really good you know, point to make here is that if you go to, if you're in a mall and you, you know, you, you, you randomly pick somebody out and you walk up to them and you say, are you a fan of Disney? Yes or no. You'll get an answer of yes or no. Some people will say, yeah. And then when you talk to them, they're like you and I, and we can talk for 15 hours mm -hmm. about Disney. Others will say, yeah, a little bit. And some will say, no, don't care. You're going to get a yes or a no. If you go up to that person and say, are you a fan of something? I don't know how many times you'd have to ask that question to find somebody who does not have fandom yeah. for anything. Again, I, I consider fandom an interest in some entity. Who doesn't have an interest in something, right? Whether it's reading or you know, sports or politics or travel, uh, cooking, wine, whatever. Everybody seems to have their like their pastime, their yeah. bag. So I think a very interesting question is, why do we do this? If it's universal, following something, being a fan of something is universal. That's 
that's where, you know, the little <laughs> hairs on the back of my neck start to perk up a little bit. I'm saying, if everyone's doing it, there's got to be a reason, right? This, this can't be random. If everybody has something that, that you know, gets them up in the morning and, 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 and is something they, they just cannot wait to talk to somebody about, there's got to be a reason for that. There's, it's it's got to have, it's got to play a role in what it is to be human. Mm-hmm. And over the last about eight to 10 years, that's sort of been my quest is to try and figure out, you know, predominantly from the perspective of, of sports fandom, but, it, you know, it carries over to, I believe, any other kind of fandom. And, and certainly the research that I've done uh, has been found to be, uh, valid in other areas of fandom mm-hmm. stuff that you and I've worked on together over the years. I think that there's what the, the research is suggesting now is there's four, there's four, what I call pillars of fandom, okay. four things that like fandom will bring to the table that help meet these basic human psychological needs. And I always start with the need to belong. We are yeah. such social creatures. We have evolved to be to be social. You know, our, our ancestors that affiliated survived more than those that were out on their own. And so it's it's really who we are. And fandom helps people belong. It, it helps you get this sense that you know you're not out there alone. That there's mm-hmm. people that I have this commonality with this this important bond with. And that's when you know if. If you're sitting in some, if you're in an airport and you're just sitting there and the person next to you happens to have some t-shirt on showing something that you care about, you know, Cody, if if you're in an airport waiting to come back from a conference and you look through, you're just sitting there and the person next to you, you know, has on a, a Disney hat, a Disney shirt, right? Their bag has, you know, a, a Disney tag on it. You're saying something, right? Yeah. You immediately yeah. have a friend. You don't know their name. You don't know where they're headed. You don't know their uh, criminal record, but you're gonna you're gonna talk to these people, <laughs> yeah, right? You're gonna yeah. say, "Hey, it seems like you like Disney. I, I love Disney too," and you are going to smile because suddenly you found not just a connection, but you found a valued connection. Yeah, and I think a critical point to make here is that recent work, the last three four years, shows that those passing connections to others. They're just as psychologically beneficial to our sense of well-being as the more in-depth detail. Okay. You yeah. walk past somebody with a Disney shirt at the mall and you say, you know, loving Disney, and they're like, yeah, we just got back. You are immediately in a better place than you were before because you just feel connected to society. So that's do you, one. Do you think some of that is what you just talked about? Um feeling like kind of kind of better with those those just casual interactions do you think some of that is because as humans or just as creatures we want that like affirmation and so we we want the need for belonging right but we also kind of get this affirmation that hey we're a fan of this here's someone else that's a fan of this we have this connection that's really fun and also like see other people are fans of this so therefore i'm making a right decision i yeah, like it i think you're right i think it validates what we're doing yeah yeah right so evidently 
on the Disney Wish in the uh, new Star Wars Lounge, there's a drink that you can purchase yes. for yeah. $5,000, <laughs> right? And I would think that if somebody purchased that drink, the last thing that they would want to find out was that in the history of the Disney Wish, they're the only person to purchase that drink mm -hmm. because that might make them feel okay, you know, maybe I really do need a 12-step program at this point, you know, if I'm that much into Disney and or Star Wars. So if you say, you know, I did this, and then you're like, all of a sudden there's, you know, a Disney discussion board group for people who've done that, I promise you, yeah. they're going to dive into that because it validates uh, what they've done, right? So, and isn't that what, what you and I do? I mean, every time we get together, we talk Disney and afterwards, it, you think to yourself, oh, yeah, okay, maybe I'm not so crazy after all. Yeah. I think about this stuff and, you know, and, and I mean, let's be honest. You put together classes on fandom for Disney, and then you try and get people to come on your show to talk about how much they love Disney so that you don't feel like you're weird for mm -hmm. loving Disney so much, right? I think this is your cathartic event. Yeah. We're doing this now. So yes, I think absolutely by, by feeling that I fit in, that's great. But it's also great knowing that that opportunity, that option is there. Yeah. That other people yeah. are like, yeah, you know, there are others among us that are like you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the, I've said it many times, one of the, neatest things about this class is the number of people that I have talked to about this. And I didn't start out the show like this, but this is actually the, the 100th class of, of this. Um, so the, and of that probably 70 have been 65 or 70, at least have been visits like this and being able to hear people's stories and their connections. And then you do, you walk away feeling like, hey, I understand their connection to this because that's my, that's the way I feel about this as well. So you, you have that sense of, right. of belonging with it. Um, I, you, you had three other pillars yeah. also. That the next one I was talking about is the fact that, yeah, we want to belong. We want to fit in, but at the same time, it's also wonderful to feel unique. Yeah. Whereas I always tell my students, it sure feels special to feel special, right? We 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 want to feel like, yeah, we fit in, but at the same time, we have some level of uniqueness or something mm -hmm. different about us. So this need for distinctiveness is is also very okay. powerful, and fandom allows you to do that. So one of the things that that I think that, I mean, you can see this among sports fandom very clearly, right? That. When you ask somebody that lives in Boston, you know, who are your favorite sports teams? Like, oh, I like the Celtics, I like the Red Sox, I like the Patriots, and like, and I like Manchester United. And like, wait, you like what? You know, because yeah. they're going to have that one that you know sets them apart in some way. And then you say, well, you know, how does how does the Phantom for Disney do that? Of course, Phantom for Disney does that. So, several of the people that I used to to coach little league sports with, what we shared was a love for for baseball and a love for Disney. And so we would sit around when we weren't talking baseball and talk Disney. It was always interesting how you would have, you know, three, four, five people talk about their four day trip to, to Walt Disney World. And none of those vacations were the same. Yeah. 
right? They, they, you know, like we would always get to the parks early and, and use the extra magic hour. Always, always, always. And, you know, other people like, you know, I, I actually went with, with Rick one time. He'd been at Disney a number of times. And, you know, the good Dr. Greaves, the first time he and I went, we got to the park before it started. He's like, wait, they have shows, you know, before they, they yeah, yeah, they actually do, you know, because his family would use their time in the morning at the pools, which yeah. is not what we did. And another friend, what he loved was he would get the family to bed around nine o'clock and he would head to go to the ESPN zone back when they yeah. had that. And somebody else, their favorite thing was they had to go to every single restaurant they could get their hands on, right? They're like a Disney foodie. And so we would talk and, and okay, so you got these five people that are sharing in this belongingness for their love for Disney. But at the same time, I could say, well, yeah, but you know what? Here's the way that I do it, yeah. right? That makes it different. And here's how you do it. So yeah, you're, you're the same, but you're also different. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I think that our, the third pillar I often talk about is meaning that it really does give you a sense of purpose. And, you know, again, this is predominantly done in, in sport fandom, but as we're learning in a lot of other areas of research, it certainly also is an important contributor to why people are fans of things yeah. like Disney. I mean, it, it, it gives you a reason to get up in the morning. So Disney, Run Disney has this thing that they're doing, which is uh, the spring surprise. And uh, Michelle and I uh, intend on running uh, hopefully all of the races uh, this spring, the spring surprise. Last time they did it, which was the first time they ever had it, it was a 5K, a 10K, and then the Tower of Terror uh, 10 miler which sounds like something I should do since I like Tower Terror. <laughs> and so we're going to try and do that. But like they haven't announced what those races are, even yeah. though registration is like in a week. And so, you know, the alarm went off today at my house at 515. And the first thing I did was I pushed the snooze. And the second thing I did was I looked to see if they announced what the races were. It yeah. literally woke me up for like the, 50th day in a row it woke me up <laughs> thinking about and i still don't know and it's clearing me uh it it gives me a sense of purpose yeah. a sense of meaning um what a fandom for something does is it gives you a sense that there's something grander than the self yep that we're not just you know sort of alone walking around on this you know giant rock floating through space that there's there's something bigger out there. There's, there's things that I can fall in love with that bottom line matter to me, that I, that I care about. And if you ask individuals, so how does it provide meaning in your life? They often will have a hard time sort of articulating that. But then when you say things like, well, you know, does it give you a sense of purpose and a sense of joy to wake up and think, Man, today is the day that, you know, um, my, my ability to book the activities on the cruise, my booking window opens up. And they're like, oh, yeah, man, those are days I wake up immediately. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, you know, that's giving you meaning and purpose. And you can kind of help them see that oh, there's, there's more to this than I, I really yeah. thought. 
And then the fourth pillar, which is really, I think, the newest one that people are talking about. I haven't seen a lot of research on it. Um, we're just now beginning to discuss it. And that's the fact that these types of phantoms aid in the need for structure. Okay. People hate uncertainty. As a species, we do everything we can to reduce uncertainty. We like to have things sort of lined up. A lot of people like lists. You know, They like to plan things out. Um, we like structure in our lives. Certainly children function better, you know, mm -hmm. they're psychologically healthy and physically healthy if they have more structure yep. in their life. Fandoms do that. You know, sport fandom, very obvious here, you know, people set their daily, weekly, monthly, annual calendar by things. I mean, people that have an annual Super Bowl party already know what that day is. Yeah. People that are huge baseball fans know opening day. Um you know, basketball fans know when the, you know, the opening big night, you know, to, to you know, when Kentucky's big night or, you know, you know, midnight at KU, those types of things. Yeah. They, we said our, you know, every football fans, they know 12 o'clock, 3.30, you know, 7 o'clock Sunday and 7 o'clock or 7.30 on, on Monday. I mean, they yep. know those times. Absolutely, Disney does the same thing. Yeah. And if you don't believe so, just read through the run Disney blogs. Yeah. Right. There are people that even though they don't know what the races are for this, for the upcoming spring surprise, they already have booked and structured their like away time. Yeah. Based on that, there are people who've already like booked hotels, you know, Disney resorts for that time, even though, that they don't know what the races are. I mean, I know that there are people because I've seen me do that and we already have our time booked for that, yeah. even though yeah. we don't know what we're doing. And so, you know, and people will structure their, their vacations around their Disney vacation club points. And it gives them one less thing to kind of worry about, right? It's like, yeah. okay, so I can, I can structure my, my, my life based on when I'm gonna go out of town. Listen to people talk about what they love about Disney cruises, right? It's, oh, okay, so I know that dinner is this time. My wait staff is going to be with me the whole time, so they're always going to know what I love. Uh, I'm going to come back, and my room is going to be straightened. Uh, the shows are always at this time and this time. All they're saying is they no longer have to worry yeah. about those things. Those events are structured in for them. And it's just one less thing they got to do. Disney does a great job of not just aiding in the other three. I believe also in that fourth pillar, the need for structure. So on that, there, there's actually two things, but um, and I imagine I will forget one. But uh, I want to ask the I want to ask one, so I make sure I don't forget it. Is going along with the need for structure and also the the need for meaning. Um, what you mentioned asking someone, you know, like, Hey, are you excited when you wake up and you know, you can now book this 60 days out, or you could book this activity or, or here. Um, and also going along with the need for structure, you said that's one last thing people need to worry about. How do you think that psychologically kind of goes with what the, what's happening in the parks right now, or at least in the the American parks, the domestic parks that 
you don't have fast pass plus anymore where if you're staying on property you book 60 days out if you're staying on property you can book your restaurant what is like 180 days out or so it that now with restaurants you can still book beforehand but but now with genie and genie plus and individual lightning lane everything has to be done that day and we've heard a lot of people talk about how it kind of takes away from that experience it takes away from the experience when they're in the parks because they're on their they have to be on their phones the whole time and they have to be looking at things and and I've definitely experienced that, especially when you go with small kids. That it, right. Individual right. Lightning Lane and Genie Plus is made for people with small kids, especially because that's, I think everybody knows it's easier to stand in line for 10 minutes than, than 45 or two hours. But Especially with kids. Yeah. How, how, how do you think what you're saying and, and the, the need for meaning and the need for structure, how does that kind of go along with what's being implemented in the parks right now and how does it explain people's reactions to it because there, there are people who there, there are positive reactions and negative reactions to it well i think that a lot of the negative reactions um again i like to not overcycle babble if i can get away with it i think a lot of the negative reactions is people just in general don't like change right mm -hmm. i mean people like consistency uh in all aspects of life and you know once they figure out a system they like to stay with that system because that's the structure that they know right so the no you know you used to be fast pass you just got to the park stuck your little kilo world card in and got your ticket mm -hmm. and that was that and then okay now let's do it in advance and people are like well you know but that takes away from the spontaneity of it it does take away some of the spontaneity of it but man it sure seemed like a popular thing to people after about yeah. six months because they were like, okay, I know I've got this at this time and this at this time and this at this time. Well, and it so, was almost like it was stories. It was bragging rights that you could tell like, Hey, I got this. Like, did you get this? Exactly. You know, That's I remember exactly right. a conversation with my mom talking about, Hey, here's what happened. And I, and I was able to get these. So, you know, it was a score, right? Yeah. yeah. And that allowed people, you know, if they knew, okay, here's the three fast passes I have. For this day, then they could structure the rest of the day around that. I mean, people that are seasoned Disney veterans, right? And if we're talking about Disney fans, we're not talking about the person who may be going to Disney World at some point. Right? I mean, we're talking about people that this does meet the need to belong. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, so for those people, they have touring plans, right? Yeah. Well, that's just structure, right? I and mean, that's all that is, right? And, and for the new people, like, well, I'm going to go online. I'm going to pay this person to give me a touring plan. Think about that. That's just paying somebody to give you structure. To provide to the structure, yeah. Okay, so now with the, with the Genie Genie Plus, the Lightning Lanes, now it's, if you, you know, if you're like on the Facebook group for, yeah. for the Genie Plus, it's all about how can you stack these things? Yeah. You know, stacking rides is a fancy way of saying structure that's all it is and then on facebook people are posting like their successful days of, like stacking ride after ride after ride because once you know like what four or five or six rides you're going to ride in a row i mean you can take a deep breath right that mm -hmm. the day is planned out for you you know i i think disney doesn't miss very many tricks right and and people are like, why would disney do that 
well, they're a for-profit company and they know what they're doing, right? Do I think that, that Disney said, yeah, we should set this up so it helps meet the need for structure for people? I don't have any idea if they think about that kind of stuff, but it, it does. Whether yeah. or not there, this was the intent or not, if it was the intent, well, you know, high five Disney. That's pretty impressive from a psychological perspective. If not, it just shows you how people will go out of their way in any given setting to add structure to the thing that they care about. Yeah. Right? And as far as the meaning is concerned, different rides fulfill meaning for different people. Yeah. Right. And that's the ride they're going to make sure that they can figure out a way to, to get on. That's what they're going to rope drop. Right. I mean, I'm not going to go to Hollywood studios and, and not ride tower of terror. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to sprint right to, to tower of terror. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm going to ride that ride. I'll let the rest of the people go somewhere else. I'm going to go to tower of terror because that's, that's the ride that has meaning to me. That's the yeah. ride that I think about putting the kids on for the first time and, and that kind of stuff. And so people will structure their day at the parks, uh, on the cruise, you know, watching Disney movies, whatever, whichever one has meaning for them, that's what they're going to head to. And another thing that's always been interesting to me, and you mentioned it like with structure, is within the sports industry or the sports world, one thing that we talk about that makes sports unique from a lot of other things is the unknown outcome, the unknown outcome of games. And, and we do get some like psychological benefits from not knowing what's going to happen with those games and having that suspense in a controlled environment. You know, it's completely, I, I tell my classes right. it's all the time. It's completely different. It's a completely different feeling to not know and experience the emote, the positive and negative emotions of your favorite team playing in a close game than it is not coming up at the end of the month and not knowing if you're going to have enough to make rent like that this completely like you're in a controlled environment but from that one thing i've always found interesting about disney parks and, and just rides in general and, and like movies and things like that is our need to we our need to be surprised even though we know what's happening. You go on the Tower of Terror, you know what's happening. You probably know every line of that ride. You know when it's, you know, when it's going up, when it's going out to in the hallways, which is actually right. you know, it's going down to the, the shafts where it's going to go up and down. And you you know all of that. But every time you get on there, you and, and we uh, all of us are able to, in a way, suspend our like. We can go through the attraction knowing this is going to happen this, this is going to happen this, this is going to happen now. But it's still in a way we allow ourselves to be surprised by it. Is it surprise or is it like more just kind of, is it something other than surprise that we are experiencing? I think it's anticipation. I think okay. it's anticipation. You know, we, we often talk about this, Cody. We've had a lot of discussions about how, you know, sp you know what separates sport is that unlike 
you know, the vast majority of pastimes out there, maybe not video games, you know, maybe not board game fans, but most of them, you know, what's going to happen in the end sport. You really do not know sport. You go in knowing that at the end of this consumption process, I might be in a really bad mood. Yeah. And that makes being in a really good mood that much better. But there's also an advantage to knowing what's going to happen. Okay. And what I mean by that is everybody that goes to a restaurant has their favorite meal. And when they order that favorite meal, they really don't want to be surprised about how that favorite meal tastes, yeah. right? I mean, they, they want that meal to be consistently whatever it is that they like about that meal. And I think that that's what the, the rides at, at, at Disney, it's what it brings to the table and sort of makes up the fact that you know, you you really do know what's going to happen. I, I I don't even know what Disney would be like if, well, Indiana Jones, you know, the, the epic stunt spectacular, if sometimes the stunt person actually does get run over by the big giant marble that's just rolling down the hill. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you would get away with that, you know. Um, but there is this sort of suspension of you don't know. And, of course, you know, the, the people that have never been there before, they don't know. But even if you know that's not going to happen, um, there, you know, I, I know how neat this ride is going to be. And then there's always the nostalgia factor. Yeah. And then also, if you talk to Disney fans, they will tell you that they love going to Disney, to the parks with people who've never done yeah. it before, yeah. because they're vicariously experiencing that for the first time. It was on a was it Disney at MGM? See, it's still MGM to me at, at Hollywood <laughs> Studios years ago. And the the rest of the family were, had seats ready at um, Fantasmic. Got to be there about an hour and a half. Well, that to me was just an opportunity to see how many times I could ride Tower of Terror in a row. Yeah, I mean, it's right there. You might as well. Yeah, how many times? <laughs> if you're curious, the answer is nine. You can ride it nine <laughs> times in an hour and a half. They don't, have a, they don't have a single rider line, but they're constantly yelling single rider. And once yeah. you're in earshot, you yell me and you just. Meh. So one of the times I got on it, I was lucky enough to be in the very front. And two young ladies, they were maybe 14 or 15. They sat there next to me. And they said, have you ever been on this ride? I'm like, oh, yeah, this is my sixth time tonight. Well, what happens? And I told them exactly what happened. You know, that you're going to go through and you're going to like see this little clock and it's going to tick and it's going to explode. You're going to see a, a person holding like a little Mickey, you know, and the little family and you're going to go and the, the lights are going to open up and then the door's going to close and then that's it. And the ride's over. I kind of didn't tell them about the whole, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so when, so when the doors closed, I said, that's it. And they go, oh, that wasn't bad. And the next thing, you know, those two people, well, okay. For about, 30 seconds, they talked very uh, unfavorably about <laughs> my ancestors. But after that, they beat me in line to get back in and yeah. ride it again. Well, why would I do that? Just because I'm kind of a poop? Oh, yeah, maybe some of that was <laughs> true. But also, I got to ride it new vicariously, yeah. watching those two people uh, yeah. not know what was going to happen. So, well, you know, and- I think there's a trade-off. And I mean, you you provided something to them as well that it right. it, it you you pro, you did provide that unknown 
that they wanted structure to know what was going to happen. So here's what's going to happen. And then at the end, whoa, here's here's what actually happens. And yeah, you know, it's it's and I've always I've, wondered since then, is that their favorite ride? Yeah. You know, is, is that you know, everybody wants a story, right? Yeah. Is is that their story that we tell about Disney? You know, I'd I'd love to know. Yeah. One um one thing a few a few months ago now, we we're we're recording this early August 2022. So a few months ago. There was um, a, a, a couple articles about Disney adults and everything. And from that um, came like a discussion of people referring to visiting the Disney parks almost as pilgrimages and as like a, a, like a religious experience in a way. What is the psychologically, what is the link between something we're a fan of and calling it a religious experience and i guess we have to start with you know really what is a religious what do people refer to as a religious experience yeah i think that it's two different kinds of questions you know i will get asked about sport fandom is sport a religion and my answer to that is always the same thing you know i'm not i'm not a theologian mm-hmm. right i'm not in the business of uh, my job is not to define what is and what is not a religion, right? I am a, I'm a social scientist that looks at what people do. So I'm not going to tell somebody if something is or is not a religion, but I can tell you whether or not what you're doing shares commonalities mm-hmm. with things that we, you know, sort of take as religion, right? There are an awful lot of commonalities with sport and religion. There are just as many commonalities with Disney and religion. Religions have their hollowed grounds. I mean, Disney has a lot of hollowed grounds, right? Religions have their, like, you know, historically sacred figures. So does does Disney, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, the figures in religion over time you know, they just, they just get to be better and better and better people than they probably actually were. Yeah. It's not, not also true for the Disney company, yeah. right? It's like these people, you know, we forget that they were human and they also had faults like every yeah. single person out there, including the two people in this conversation. Yep. There are things that are sacred in, in religions. There are things that are sacred in Disney, right? There are, there are things that, that people do that are ritualistic in religions that they do because of structure and that they can't, you know, they can't imagine not doing this. There's Mm -hmm. people go to, to a church service on Sunday. They don't like pull out of a hat what you're going to do when, right? I mean, you're going to first will do this. Then you, this, you go to church and if you get there 20 minutes late, you still know what's happening at that moment in time. Disney's the same thing. Right. I mean, people, people know what's going down um, in whatever aspect of, of, of Disney they're doing because there are these sacred acts that, that you're always going to follow. Yeah. And if you listen to people that, that do Disney, they first we do this and then we do this and yep. then we do this. I, I can't say because it's not my area whether or not fandom for Disney is a religion. 
I can tell you it has an awful lot in yeah. common with things that everybody assumes, uh, you know, are religious uh, entities. Yeah. Speaking of hallowed grounds, growing up in Kansas City or when you go back and visit, have you ever visited some of the the Disney sites in Kansas City or made the the short trip to Marceline and things like that? I have not. It's been on the to-do list for yeah. a very long time. It's on the bucket list and I will I will do that. I probably haven't because you know I don't take a lot of trips back to Kansas City because they're all spent going to Disney. But yeah. yeah. Irony, um, I think they call that. We 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 will stop at one point. I, I think when the boys are a little older, because when we drive through to to see uh, my wife's family, we actually drive on uh, through Missouri. So if it's about two hours north of where we drive, I think. Um, so there, there's one more big question that I want to ask, and then um, I I want to ask about because we talk a lot about your strategy in the parks, and also like kind of your feelings toward the cruises and everything. But before that, I want to ask a question that um, a, a while ago, I was actually on uh, someone else's podcast. And it was, we discussed the fact that when people are at Disney, they seem to be in a different mood. And usually a, at least at the beginning of the day, usually a more joyful mood than when they are in other settings. Now let's, you know, if it's four or five o'clock and the kids are tired and people are, or people's feet hurt and all that, that's a different story. But, but the, the, this idea that what makes or what puts people in a specific mood when they go to Disney or, or consuming something with Disney? One of my really good friends, John Morris, uh, he was one of the people I, I mentioned that we would sit around and talk baseball and Disney. And he said he loved Disney. And I loved his, his line because at Disney, every day is your birthday. Yep. And I think that that's it. That every time someone goes to Disney, whether it's, the park or the cruise or, or whatever, that they really do feel like there's something special and magical about this day for me, mm -hmm. right? So I think that there is that, that Disney has figured out a way to have this culture that, I mean, you, you can't bottle it and sell it because other people would have a long time ago, yeah. right? They've, they've just figured out a way to have that, that culture where when you get there, you just feel like every day is your birthday. Yeah. I think another reason is that, that everyone, again, once they get there, you know, five o'clock may be a different issue, yeah. um, is that Disney fans are incredibly nostalgic, mm -hmm. right? Now that's good news and bad news for Disney, right? The, the good news is, is that when people arrive uh, at Disney, they're thinking about when they went as a child yeah. or when they took their children. Right. And it's like, Oh yeah. I'm, you know, do you, you know, I still have conversations with my kids who are now grownups about things that happened, you know, 20 years ago yeah. at, at Disney and they remember them fondly. And, and there's, so I think that there's definitely a nostalgia factor that 
Disney, like other fandoms, but I think in particular Disney can like tap into for people yeah. that they're smiling because as they go there, it's not just that they're super happy about the fact that they're at Disney. All of those past memories are getting thrusted forward. And so they're, you know, they're being flooded with all of the other great birthdays that they've had yeah. in the past. That's good news for Disney. The bad news for Disney is that, you know, if people are going because they're nostalgic, that means that every time you close down a ride, yeah, yeah, you're taking away some, you know. So for me, Disney in some ways is not what it once was, Disney World, because you know, again, I don't fault Disney, right? That you, you don't want to be the last person at the table, right? I mean, you got to change. And, you know, why in the world would they still have Who Wants to Be a Millionaire play it? That show hasn't been on TV yeah. forever. Gosh, I miss that yeah. <laughs> at Hollywood Studios, you know? I mean, why would they still have Ellen's Universe of Energy and talk about, you know, sources of energy from 25 years ago that like, well, yeah, okay, let's not do that now. I miss that show so much, you know? Of course, they've got to replace uh, Tarzan Rocks with Finding Nemo. That makes sense because people now like Finding Nemo. Yeah. Man, I love Tarzan Rocks. So they do kind of run that like balance of, yeah. yeah, we love the fact that people think about all the great times they have at Disney. But then when they get to Disney, they're also going to like walk back, you know, walk past something that they used to do and be like, oh, you know, yeah. I can't walk into Epcot and not think about illuminations. Yeah. Right. I mean, change has to happen, but. People are still going to miss those things, yeah. but they'll go and find something new that they can yeah. be nostalgic about next time. Well, and, and on that point, um, I think one thing Disney does very well is uh, they pay homage to old things. So you go in an attraction, a new attraction that, that replaced something and you see, you, you know, you'll see things paying homage to that old attraction. Um, and which which helps with nostalgia, but it also, it, it makes, it takes me down this path of Disney is, it can be something for so many people on so many different levels. If I want to go and I've never been, or I just want to go and I want to ride, I can go ride and I can try to ride as many rides as I can. I can think that's how the, how successful the the vacation was based on that. If I want to go and I want to go to restaurants, I want to go to as many restaurants as I can. Like you, you said your friend does like that. I can do that. Or if I want to go resort hop and park hop and see different things. But also if I just want to go and, and take it slow and right. look at all the details, the details of all the names on main street, USA, the knowing that walking down the middle of, liberty square you know why the the concrete is a different color and you can gross people out with it like it has something for so many different people why do you think that is important that you can kind of you can experience at this level but you can keep going down further and further and further and experience at very minute levels and look for all these details as well why is that important, especially for like return consumption? One time um, I went to Epcot and my goal at World Showcase was to 
go around every single corner in every single building. Okay. I wanted to literally look at every single thing in every single pavilion. And I did. It actually takes quite a long time, uh, <laughs> but I was successful in that. And, you know, why would you do that? I think that there's some degree of to say you did. Everybody loves a good story. Yeah. Right. And people love to tell their Disney stories. So I, I think that there's that. But I also think that if you like something at a level that, you know, the people that are going to watch this probably do, and the people that take your class or instant, why would someone like something that much? You want to bring on as much of it as you can. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, why, why do people know crazy baseballs? Why do I know that George Brett had 118 RBIs and 117 games in 1980? Why do I waste a neuron? I probably missed a test on the GRE because <laughs> I knew that stat. I probably wasted a neuron because when we love something, we just can't get enough of it. And yeah. one way of, of getting all you can is the nuance, right? Are those, you know, people love Disney trivia, right? They, they like to know the, the little ins and outs. When, when Michelle and I went on the 10K, I told her, look, it's not just that you're gonna be running through Disney, right? I said, you're gonna be in the parks when they're not open. Yeah. And until you do that, you <laughs> don't know how cool that is as a yeah. Disney fan. I said, you're gonna be, you're gonna be seeing things that you're never, they're, they're never gonna let you see, right? So we're, we're running into, um, I believe it was Hollywood Studios, yes. And on the right, because we're running in a back street that you're never on, right? No, yes. You don't ever know this street is. And I pointed over, I said, look at that sign. No one sees that. The sign, big white sign, yay big, big giant black letters. It said break room. You yes. do not see a sign that says break room at Disney unless you're out running on the road. You never are. You're on the back side of, of Tower mm -hmm. of Terror, which that does not look like the front side of Tower <laughs> of Terror. Right, because they're not. Why would why would it? And so, and she loved that. Right, she she loves seeing. Oh yeah, so because you're seeing something that's new. Yeah. And so I think that's one thing that that people like. You can do so much at Disney, but every time you go back, there is something that you can gain that that's different. And again, that's yeah. that's one thing about having a place that's so big and so large. You know. We, Michelle and I have done a four day and a three day cruise on the dream. So that's seven days on a boat. And on our way back, uh, driving back from the three day, I listed like 25 things on our to-do list that we never got to. There's yeah. still tw like 25 things that like everyone always would do on, on the boat that, you know, we still haven't shot baskets. She loves going, she hasn't shot baskets. We've still not played shuffleboard and all, all of those things. So there's just so much to do. Yeah. People are just looking for extra silly little things. Yeah. So um, the last thing I want to talk about is uh, you have, a, a, we've talked strategy in the parks before. Um, and, and like when we go, it's typically if, if I could help it, the first day is magic kingdom. Cause that's the castle park and you get the, you know, the of walk again and, and first the off taking the boat or the monorail over and that kind of separation of, of space and 
supposed to be the separation of like kind of your your mental space as well um but then the the first ride is uh peter pan because that's that's i remember that ride i love that ride so i think every time except for maybe once or twice i've gone to peter pan um there's but, your structure and your meaning right there yeah yeah and you you have an interesting strategy that we've talked about um and especially to avoid crowds um so what is your kind of strategy well, when you go and what are, what tips do you have yeah so it depends on who i'm going with right so i've gone kamikaze like rick and i have done five parks in one day yeah yeah i know there's four parks we doubled up on a park another <laughs> friend and i we actually did six parks and two fireworks shows in okay. one day i that's not my favorite way to do it i like to stop and smell the roses and yeah. so the first time i went with with michelle which would have been in the fall of 2019 you know i'm i'm kind of a i like to zig when they zag yeah. Right. So you got to get there before it opens. And so I, I, I always am there, you know, it, it, the park opens at eight, I'm there at seven 30 every single time. Cause I want to get as much of it as I can when it's not crowded. But at the same time, I like to, you know, walk and, you know, mm -hmm. I like to look at all of the animals that I can see in the tree of life. Well, I knew Michelle had only gone once with her family when her kids were like, you know, nine and 10 and you're just going boom, boom, boom yeah. right? So I'm like, is this going to bore her? You know, I really was, I was nervous. because Is she going to like how I do Disney? Because again, as we talked about, there's a thousand ways to do Disney. Yeah. And about halfway through the day, she goes, I'm loving this. This is so stress-free and so relaxed. We're not running from place to place. I was like, good, yeah. I can keep going back to Disney my way, you know? So my my strategy, if if you're not going boom boom boom, if it's if it's you know you and the and the significant other or you and the kids, to me we always got there early. Um, and again, remember I've not stepped park since the pandemic. So yeah. I mean you know I've not gone to Disney since Genie Plus. So yeah. that's going to impact the the touring. But to me always zig when they zag. So the first time that we went, Michelle and I, we went to Animal Kingdom, you know, got there when it opened, got to rope drop, and we went straight to the front of the tree of life. And I told her, I want you to turn around and look. And she turned around and here's the mass of people coming. And they all headed to our yep. right, their left. Yep. They're all heading to Pandora. Like we're going that way, us and eight other people or heading to ride Everest 19 times yep. while they stand yep. they stand in line. And just got that strategy when my kids were really little. We would get there and the park opened about, oh, I don't know, maybe four o'clock, 3.30, we would head back. We'd be like, you know, swimming against the, the stream, you know, because yeah. everyone's coming in and we're heading out, go get the kids a nap, get them a little sandwich in the room, go swimming. Rest of the world's, as you said, you know, five o'clock rolls around and people are like dead. We're now energized. We're going back in the park. They're heading that way. Yeah. So we always, our strategy was go when the people aren't there. We always took our kids out. All these times I've been to Disney, 
I have never stepped foot in Disney during a March spring break in June, in July, in August, from the 22nd of December to the 5th or 6th of January, yeah. never. Because that's just not the Disney that I fell in love with. Getting to Disney, I fell in love with was a Disney that was empty. Yeah. And so, you know, that's why I always tell my friends, take your take your kids out if you can. Some can't yeah. take your kids out if, if you can and try to avoid the crowds. Yeah. I one thing I did think of is um a lot of time I I think everybody experiences this and everybody talks about it is that last day or when you know like your your time is dwindling at Disney. Um there's kind of that that change of you know like it's added, terrible isn't it? and it's in yeah. And then when you get back, even when you get back and you're looking at pictures, you're like, oh my gosh, here, here's pictures from the first day here. Oh, here's pictures from the last day here. Like one thing that, that I know I've heard uh, that we've talked about a little bit is, um, and it's this idea of a flow, um, is like, how do you stay in the moment? How can you, if, if you're having a moment and you're really, really enjoying something and, you know, like flow deals with performance and things like that, but all the focus that comes with that. But for something like this, how, like psychologically, how do you think a person stays or what would be your tips to help a person stay in the moment and not be looking elsewhere? What rides next? What time is the flight? What do we have to do when we get back to the room? Oh, I have to go back to work next week. Like things like that. It's very, very difficult. It, it, it's extremely difficult. And when I work with athletes or, you know, other performers, it's one of the things that, that is the hardest to get people to do is to not think about what did they just do or what are they going to do, but, you know, to, to be in the moment. Yeah. And it's really, a, you know, one of the main topics that people really discuss in, in psychology now is how can we, we do a better job, um, kind of enjoying where we're at at this place in time. Mm -hmm. When I work with athletes, one of the things I've been working with a, a team of, of 20 people, I'll say, okay, uh, take out a piece of paper and write down a two sentence description of you doing something. And I've been doing that for years. I've never okay. had a person write down, writing something down. Everyone always writes down what they're going to do or what they've already done. Yeah. Right. People, people have a hard time staying in the moment. And at a place like Disney, it's really hard because there is such a letdown when you leave Disney. I mean, again, assuming that you've fallen in love with it, if you go to Disney yeah. and you know your experience is terrible, you're not going to have this. But yeah. I used to always print out a, a, a list of what we we're going to do, like our tour plan on a sheet of paper. I would keep the sheet of paper with me and on the last day, it would always, as we're leaving the park, it would always say, cry. Yeah. <laughs> On our to-do list was cry, right? And I can remember one time uh, we went to Disney, but then like three months later, we were taking a cruise and it said cry, but not too bad because the cruise is in like 12 weeks or, or, yeah. or something like that. It's it's hard, right? To, to stay in the moment because you know that it's coming and you know, I would find myself saying, oh, no, I've only got eight more hours. Yeah. Or, you know, my, my kids, they loved Epcot. 
They loved Epcot. And we would always end with Epcot on the last night. And this is back, you know, in 2002, 2003, 2004. And, you know, my, my youngest, Kevin, he loved uh, to go to the, the Living Seas. And my oldest, Eric, was really into video games. And he loved to go to, to interventions and, and play the video games. And I would look at it, oh, man, you know, the last night's almost here. It's, it's hard not to sort of let yourself get depressed. You just have to, to literally block that out of your mind and just really focus your attention on what you're doing. Yeah. Because the end of the vacation is coming. Yeah. Right. And whenever I would find myself thinking, I can't stop thinking about the end of vacation. My only solution was I always planned my next Disney trip before I went on a Disney trip. Okay. Right. So like I'll, I'll have a, I'll run the risk of getting sad the last night that we're on the wish. But the way I remedy that is I book my next Disney cruise <laughs> while I'm on the Disney cruise. Yeah. So I'm like, Oh, it's the last night, but I'm already thinking yeah. <laughs> ahead. So my strategy, my suggestion to, to beat the last night uh, doldrums, as I would always call it, is know what's next. Yeah. If you're like, I'm so depressed because I'm leaving Disney, well, then stop thinking about the fact that you're leaving Disney. Think about the fact that you're going to come back here again. Yeah. That's, that worked for me. Okay. All right. Well, oh, so one more thing I will say to you. One yeah. more thing. The vast majority of times that I've gone to Disney. I've never set foot in Magic Kingdom. Okay. Now, we would take, we want to, we took our two boys on a trip when they were about eight and 13, six days at Disney, never went to Magic Kingdom. Okay. I've been to Disney twice with Michelle. We've still never gone to Magic yeah. Kingdom. My point is this you get 100 people in a room that love Disney, you get 100 different ways of doing they, Disney. Yeah. Your first thing you have to do. It's a place I rarely would do at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are, I always like to close out with, with some rapid questions. These are things that you can explain. You don't yeah. have to explain anything at all if you don't want. Sure. Um, and so, um, favorite park, favorite Disney park? Hands down, Epcot. It was... Yeah. Uh, MGMC. It yeah. was Hollywood Studios, <laughs> but uh, Epcot added things like Soren uh, that I loved, and uh, Hollywood Studios lost a couple of things. So hands down, Epcot. Okay. How about anywhere on property favorite ride? Oh, uh, Tower of Terror. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Favorite thing was Illuminations. Favorite ride, okay. Tower of Terror. Uh, okay. favorite experience first time uh, family road soaring okay that was uh, the the next question was favorite favorite show so um yeah uh, uh illuminations favorite non um fireworks show <sighs> gotta be the indiana jones epic stunt spectacular yeah yeah i i agree i i love that and um we actually uh ray edie um, used to, he he's spoken in this class before. He used to play Indiana Jones in that that stunt show. That's um, amazing. Yeah, is um, favorite anywhere on property, favorite hotel or resort. 
Well, I mean, that's a tough one because it is a function of my bank account. Obviously, <laughs> Animal, Animal Kingdom Lodge is, is amazing. Yeah. Um, All-star sports will always probably be my, my favorite because okay. I tend to be a, a value kind of guy. Um, Michelle and I stayed at uh, Caribbean Beach and yeah. had one of the pirate rooms. Highly recommend it if you can get if you can pull that off. That's pretty good. But my my favorite would be either Animal Kingdom or uh, All Star Sports. Okay. And I've been um, I think I stayed in eleven of them at this point, so I've I got a bunch of them under my belt. Okay. I um, when we go back, if I stay on property, my like my first choices are I look for the places on the Skyliner route now. Yeah, I was about that's, to. Say- that's amazing. I was about to say that that could be a game changer yeah. if we go to the parks. Yeah. Because I've not been to the parks since the Skyliner was put together. You know, again, Michelle and I, we got there. Our our run isn't for another day. So we've got an evening and a day at, the, at Disney World just to hang out on property. Well, first thing we did was we rode the Skyliner. We rode yeah. every inch of the Skyliner and then just back, you yeah. know, which, by the way, I recommend to anyone. It, I mean, one, this last time that we went, we stayed at animation, um, art of animation, sorry. Mm-hmm. And I wanted the family to experience going to the parks without moving our car. So we go to Magic Kingdom, we take the bus. Uh, we take the bus, or from Magic Kingdom, we take the monorail over to Epcot. Then we took the Skyliner back to the hotel. The next day we went to Animal Kingdom, we took a bus and took a bus back and then rode the Skyliner to Epcot. The next day we rode the Skyliner to Hollywood Studios and then over to Epcot and back to our hotel. I mean, it's just so it it does it. You never leave that kind of experience and that bubble when you're on that Skyliner and when you're right. experiencing that. It's Cody, awesome. I've been to Disney. I don't know how many times. In January, this past January, Michelle and I, our room was right by the parking lot, and we had to go over to Wide World of Sports to check in for the run. Yeah. And I said, you know, why don't we just drive? It might save some time. That's the first time I've ever driven at Disney. So you're saying what you did is what I'd always done. And what I did, again, there yeah. are so many different ways to yeah. do Disney. Um, so the, uh, what it, you're, you're going on the, you've been on the Disney dream. Have you been on other boats? On the dream? Yeah, I think I, you know, it used to be, you could look on your castaway club and it would show um, which boats and when, Mm-hmm. And that they've taken that off the website, Disney IT. We always know. You never know what you're going to get. Um, and hopefully they'll bring that back. I'm pretty sure I've been on three of the other four. Okay. I've been on the Dream a bunch. I think and the Fantasy and the Wonder, I believe. But do you have a favorite? uh yeah hands down whichever one i'm walking on okay <laughs> i mean i you know i was just having this conversation with michelle a couple of days ago 
yeah. that um, for a long time, Disney World and Disney Cruise were right here. They're just, they were just matched right up. Disney Cruise is just, because I'm now taking Disney Cruise just with Michelle. Oh my gosh, the level of relaxation of just being on, you know, no offense to my kids, but oh my gosh, you know, to yeah. be on a cruise boat and be pampered and not be chasing your kids around, you know, you want to talk about a vacation. That's that's a vacation. Yeah. So um, we'll see about the wish. Some of the things about the, the wish, I think I will not be thrilled with, like the deck four running track. You know, we're runners and we run on the track. There's no deck four running track really. We got to run up two flights of stairs and back down. So they've, yeah. they've made some changes, but there's some other things that I think will be great. So, you know, might be a, a push pull. What are you most looking forward to on the wish? Probably um, the dinners with the show, because I think that Disney Cruise shows are ridiculously good. The rainforest room okay. uh, that they put the, the new spa rainforest room looks, I mean, they really upped their game there. And I always love the rainforest room um, and just the new, the new evening shows. I've kind of seen all of the shows that the dream and the others have. And so it'd be nice to, to be entertained where I literally will not know the yeah. ending, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, two more favorite sure. restaurant on property. And a Disney Springs is included. Um, yeah, this is really easy for me. Uh, hoop de doo Okay. I mean, if, if you're talking about, you know, one that you might frequent more often, Whispering Canyon. But, but yeah. And if you're talking about inside of, of a park, um, boy, there's a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, probably 50s prime time. Okay. But if, if you said you can, you can go to eat anywhere, um, yeah, it's hoop to do for sure. Okay. I mean, I, I, there have been a number of times that I've had a, like a conference and I just took like a cab over to hoop to do. <laughs> And then yeah. came back. Yeah. Okay. And the last one, favorite snack anywhere on property. I've done, I mean, you've heard about beer around the world mm -hmm. at the world showcase. Several times I've done chocolate around the world. Okay. I think that's super fun uh, to do. Um, I'll go with the Danishes at the, the Norway pavilion. Okay. Uh, I, I, I love that. That's, that's a Disney world the fruit tarts on the Disney cruise and the food at Castaway Key. That's the best food I've had anywhere, not just Disney. That's the best food period that I've had anywhere. That's my okay. favorite meal on the planet is Castaway okay. Key. All right. All right. Um, well, Dan, thanks for doing this. Um, of course. This yeah, is a lot of fun. my arm to talk about <laughs> yeah. Disney and fandom for, for a couple there's, hours. Sure. There's, what a rough gig. Well, I won't even bill you for this. There, there's so much, there's so much more to talk about, but I think people get a little insight into Dan and I will call to talk about research and, and it'll be, Hey, let's talk for 20 minutes. And we spend the first 40 talking about Disney and the next exactly. 10 talking about what we, what we needed to talk about. Yeah, we, originally. yeah not, That's not, the, that, that is not the ratio. It's not, <laughs> it's way closer to 10 to one. So, um, for people who have questions or or, or want to get in contact with you, what's the best way to do it? 
Uh, dwan at murraystate.edu. Okay. Dwan at murraystate.edu. And doesn't matter when, I check my email all the time. All right. I'm happy to chat further. All right. Well, Dan, again, thank you very much. This was my awesome. Pleasure. Have my a great pleasure. rest of your day. You too. Take care. Bye-bye, Cody. Bye. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of the Being a Fan of Disney podcast. I'm your host, Cody Haver. I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone for joining us and listening and to say that I hope you found the information, whether content covered in class or interviews with guests, fun, informational, entertaining, and even inspiring. If you want to follow along with the class, you can do so by following me on Twitter at chaverphd. That's C-H-A-V. A-R-D, Ph.D., or by joining the public group on Facebook, Being a Fan of Disney. If you want to engage with any of the guests we've had in class, their contact information is included in each of the show notes. So again, thank you for joining us. It was a great time having you. If you like what you hear, please share this out so other people can engage with the information, possibly learn more about their Disney fandom and their love for all things Disney related. With that, Thank you again and have a great day.